You're listening to the Transform Your Nutrition Podcast with your hosts, Rebecca Heald and Jeff Ash. Our purpose is to help individuals and families transform their relationships with food and develop healthy bodies, minds, and attitudes, all without restriction, guilt, or shame. Um, hi, David. Nice to see Good you morning. today. It's early, isn't it, over there in New York? It's very nice here. Yeah. this morning. Yes, it's not. It's been really lovely here in the UK the last few days, but it's it's bordering, I think, on storms at the minute. I think they're going to be coming soon. But so everybody had a, sorry. I said we've had our share of storms. Yeah, I bet, I bet. So welcome anybody who is watching right now. If anybody's watching, please say hello. If you're watching the replay, as always, um, hashtag replay. Um, we would really, really love to know who is watching and engaging. If you've got any comments or anything as we go, as we go through, please do um, post them in the comments. Any questions? We would love your questions. We would love today's chat to be interactive, um, which leads me on to what we're going to talk about today. So Jeff was supposed to be joining us today. He normally joins, joins us on our Friday lunchtime live, lunchtime in the UK, morning in the US. Um, but he, unfortunately, his wife um, is not very well there in Haiti, so he's not joining us today. So it's just myself and David, who I was super delighted to invite to talk to us a couple of weeks ago. We had such a great conversation um, that I have invited him to continue with it today. So we're going to talk about, again, how to manage your mental and your physical health when working um, under pressure, particularly from home. So if anybody watching right now um, is working from home, or even if you're not actually, please do just comment, let us know what your experience is right now. Maybe you've gone back to the office, maybe you're still working at home. Whatever it is that you are doing right now, we would love to, to, to know and also, of course, to answer any of your questions, like I said. So, David, did you want to um, talk a, a little bit maybe about your coaching and, and, and how you do coach people to work from home? Sure. Thank you, Rebecca. Yeah, and I echo the same thing. Um, I always love questions. So anybody yeah. has um, any questions along the way here, because um, sometimes this conversation gets very interesting. But yes. what, what I do, um, my group's called um, Here to Help Today. Um, what we do is work from home coaching. Um, that covers a gamut of different things. One of them that we're talking about today, you know, nutrition and mental health, um, which is a biggie, um, you know, how to accelerate or how to be, um, you know, work from home, uh, make it work for you is kind of mm -hmm. the tagline there. Um, but we also work on um, different levels of hiring, helping you understand that. I have a couple of books out that I'm thinking about just re-releasing as they are. I was, I was rewriting them so we could um, use those in lessons and I'll still do that. Um, but, you know, one of them is a great um, just guide about if you're unemployed and trying to get a work from home job. Um, yeah. you know, indeed, if everybody knows that hiring platform has just gone over a million work from home job postings. So the companies are turning that direction. Um, yeah. and I've been doing this for a couple of years now, so it's not like I'm just getting into it now. Um, but a couple other things we work on is, you know, building that community because working from home means you're not, you know, shoulder to shoulder with your, your colleagues or your boss. Um, so understanding how to navigate those waters and also, you know, how to go ahead and get promoted and, you know, build a career path for yourself. So those, yeah. those are almost the five um, pillars of the, the lessons. I actually have six in the course um, that we go through. 
So that's what I'm all about. And how long how long do your courses last? I'm doing about six weeks right now. Uh, it was eight weeks. A lot of people wanted to condense that. Um, a lot of it gets pushed out to personal coaching because everybody wants a one-on-one plan, um, even though the lessons are very specific so everybody can pick it up yeah. and take it forward themselves. That's cool. That's cool. And I love yeah. how, um, and, and you touched on this before, and I wonder whether we could maybe talk about it a little bit today because I think um, it's something, um, a, a principle, I think that, spans across all sorts of different areas and it's about this 80 20 school right yeah I was going to say we should probably we talked about that the last time yeah um, we did really sets the foundation for these type of conversations um you know this is how I look at it um, yes. 80 20 there's um you know two maybe three camps there so the 20 percenters are people that you know work from home this is the best day of their life and you know I can go through the whole thing but at the end of the day um, these are people that, you know, and sometimes they're millionaires, but there's some people just said, Hey, if I can work from anywhere, I'm going to, I'm going to move and go, you know, be close to my family. I'm going to, you know, go to the mountains, you know, wherever they want to go and, and, and do their best. And they're more productive that way. Yeah. Um, people that said, wow, um, I get to spend time with my family. I'm a workaholic. I'm, I'm never home. I said, this is awesome. Oh, by the way, you know, I'm probably healthier and more fit than I've ever been in my life. You know, I'm back to, you know, being the, the person I, I wanted to be. So yeah. they're meeting their goals. And of course they sit back and they laugh and goes, and my, my portfolio doubled. So I made a lot of money working from home. It's like, this is not a bad thing. So yeah. that's, that's kind of the 20% camp. And then the, um, the other you, 80, right? Go ahead. Well, do you think because those, you mentioned about their portfolio increasing, et cetera. Do you think that's because, of the enjoyment and the fulfillment they're getting out of it as well. It's making them potentially more productive. Well, I think um, it might be a combo there. Um, I think the markets um, treated a lot of people well. Yeah. Um, they weren't expected it in a pandemic mode and um, a lot of their investments did well. Um, I'm not sure where that's going to go. I'm not a, you know, a market analyst or anything like that. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I think the other side of it is, yeah, they were more productive. Um, yeah. Might- I'm sure it has an impact. No, yeah. But my day job, you know, it's funny. Um, a lot of industries are struggling with work from home. Um, where I work in tech, um, they actually found it's like, we don't need an office. I said, our employees are happier and more productive at home. Um, mm-hmm. We're getting more done. In fact, they're, um, you know, a lot of people have turned that corner um, and their companies are growing. So it's, yeah. it's all been a good thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So talk to me about this 80% then. Yeah, the, the rest of us, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to put us in there, but there, there's a group that, you know, um, you know, half the 80%, and I don't know where the lines are, but at the end of the day, um, you're finding that some people say, yeah, this is the best day of my life, um, but they're struggling. They said, oh, yeah, they, they come home, work from home. It's like, yeah, I can set my own hours. I can get better sleep. I don't have to commute. Um, you know, I can get physically more fit. They buy running shoes. Um, yeah. So better. They, you know, I think last time I said they stuff, you know, it's a great analogy. They just stuff the fridge with greens and they said, I'm going to eat the best I ever did. And then they don't eat well and the shoes are still by the door. And, yeah. you know, and all of a sudden they're, you know, and that kind of gets into another conversation we're going to get into shortly is, you know, it just all goes together. It's like, so you start getting down on yourself just by that alone. It's like, well, 
I wasted a lot of grocery money. I, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not using my shoes. I'm not getting out and about and it's just not working. Yeah. Yeah. So in that respect, oh, hi, Adam. Um, sorry, someone's just said hi. Hi, Adam. Thank you for thank hey. you for joining us. Um, oh, great question. Great yeah. question. Um, I'll, I'll let you um, begin by answering this one, David. Is working from home creating longer working days? It really depends. Mm -hmm. um, one thing employers are noticing that um, people are spending their commute time um, doing work. So, you know, for employers, I think they're seeing longer work days or more productivity because you, you have the ability to put time in. Um, but I think on the other hand, um, some people without those distractions actually get more done with less time. Yeah. So they're, they're seeing um, productivity, you know, they can get done in seven hours what took them, you know, 10 at the office. So it, it's, it's split. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I do, I mean, I'd like to add it. Andy, um, Andy's the one who's asked this question. Are you working from home right now? Um, are you finding that this is something that has affected you? Um, just, it'd be great to hear what your experience is, is with this as well. And I, I believe also as well, I found that there is, you know, there are, it, it really, really does depend. But one thing I have found with, with my clients particularly is that, they are, you know, once they get into a structure, if they're not, I mean, I've got one client in particular and we're, we're really working on this because when he came to me, his the work-life boundaries were really, really blurred. And I think that if we, if you can establish your boundaries, if you can get a good structure in place, um, then it can really, really help to make sure that you're not necessarily working those longer hours. I definitely do get clients that come to me that are. They're finding that because they're not having the commute, because they're not having the cutoff point, because they're thinking, oh, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning, I've got all day to get this project done or I've got all day to get this, you know, this proposal out. And then it gets to like four o'clock and they're thinking, damn, need to get the kids, need to have dinner. I'm going to have to work tonight. Yeah. So I think if you can make sure that you've got a good structure, you've got boundaries in place, you're time blocking rather than just having a list of the things you, you do, then it doesn't necessarily have to lead to longer working hours. Even like, you know, making sure that you're taking and we spoke about this last time, making sure that you're taking time for your lunch, making sure that you're taking a 10 minute break every now and then. People think that they're cheating by doing that. But if you're not doing it, you might find that you are working longer hours because it is easy to just grab your laptop in the evening and finish off what you feel guilty about not finishing in the day. So, I, you know, I do think that having breaks, having a structure is actually what is making people be more productive when working from home in less time. No, I agree. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think you hit on some points there. You know, I was going to talk about later. You know, I think it all comes down to cadence and balance. And I've got great stories there. Um, yeah. It's like you said, you know, having having some structure in your day, you know, giving yourself time for self-care, making sure you eat on a regular schedule. Because I'm, yeah. you know, have have done that before. You know, I think I said in the last time we talked, um, you know, I got into patterns where I love my breakfast. So I'll eat first thing in the morning whenever I can. But yeah. I'll get busy sometimes with work. And at the end of the day, you know, I find myself at two o'clock in the afternoon just getting foggy and starting to drag. And it's like, what's going on? And I realize like mm -hmm. I haven't eaten for eight hours. It's like, mm -hmm. get something to eat. Yes. <laughs> get something after three or four hours, not eight. Well, it has to be the right thing. You know, not run down and hit the snack machine. 
Well, that's the thing. And if you go in such long hours, then that's, you know, that's what you're going to, your, your body's going to go for. It's, it's, got, it's going, it's getting to biological hunger mode there. So it's just going to, you know, divert you to the biggest, quickest, to the quickest convenience option. You know, people think that skipping meals is a good thing, but actually, you know, it's, it, it, it often works against you. In fact, that's probably when, if I ever see my weight go up, it's usually if I've skipped, you know, I'm so busy that I'm skipping meals, you know, so, um, People, but so just to say, so Andy has said, I'm finding working from home is creating flexi hours, and my clients are contacting me in the evening as they split their working day. Yeah, you know, I do that again. You know, I definitely know, particularly when I was working at home, um, or like well, like with some of my clients, when they've been working at home and home homeschooling, or they've got families at home or whatever, then I did, I have found that clients are splitting their days as well. But Andy, it's about setting your boundaries there if you want to split your day and you want to work in the evenings that's great but if you're working nine to five then you need to make sure that your clients do also know this as well because you can't be available to your clients 24 7 I, I mean I do understand this you know I, I you know but if you you know if you don't want to be replying to things in the evening you just make to, need to make it clear I believe to your clients that you know yes you can email me in the evening or you can contact me in the evening but I'm potentially not going to respond to you until the morning or you know maybe you can start I've got one client who often has to do training in the evening so she'll start her day a little bit later and then she'll block out that time in the evening so if you want to be there for your clients in the evening great but make sure that you're having you know you're you're reducing your hours during the day because there gets a point where you're not going to be as productive it's going to impact on your home life it's going to impact on your mental and your physical health if you're working 12 13 14 hours a day adam's also mentioned i'm increasing my work hours as i um i've noticed i'm increasing my work hours as i work in mental health well again though adam you know if it's about finding that balance and if you are finding that you're working more than you need to you know more than anybody that will have an impact on your mental health and I think it's important that we do find that 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 balance and create those boundaries it's all about boundaries and it's all about communication and it's all about being clear I remember when I first started out in business you know and this was before the pandemic but I felt like I had to be available to everybody all of the time and, you know, and again, I feel that there is that shift a little bit here, isn't there? Because it's like people seem to be working all the time. But what impact, what, you know, what are you sacrificing in order to do that? Um, so, yeah, it'd be great to to know, Andy, how you're managing that. Are you doing are you doing that or are you finding that you need to be constantly available? And Adam, is there, is there any way that you can, um, you know, obviously manage that a little bit better to protect yourself so that you are better able to serve others? You work in mental health and to be able to serve others, you've got to put your your life jacket on first, haven't you? No, I totally agree with that, Rebecca. In fact, um, you know, there's different words for the same thing you said there, but, you know, the boundaries is a big one. Um, and... <laughs> well, you, you, um, uh, yeah, you, 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 you no, no, no. more articulate way of putting it than I do. No, no, at the end of the day, um, you know, the way it comes together is um, basically – you could almost call it self-care for your time because your time is yours. You only have so many minutes in the day. And like Rebecca said, you know, you don't want to spend your entire day answering every email and every phone call. Um, and it overlaps your personal time, your, you know, your kids' time, your sleep sometimes. You know, it's, it's not healthy to do that. Where also, Well, for me, you know, I work with leaders well, and, you know, I, I work with people that want to be led. They want to be guided. And I've got to show personal leadership Right. And, and you know to be able to be a better client to my customers, a, be, a better, better client to my customers, <laughs> better to my clients. 
No, I agree. And, and the fun part about um, making that work is, um, I think last time we talked about Miracle Mornings. Yes. Um, and one, one positive thing comes out of that. We can talk all about how that works first thing in the morning. Um, I need to put the, that link on my website if anybody wants to grab the book and read it. Um, it's yes. also available on audiobook in case you want to listen to it, you know, in your spare time. Um, but at the end of the day, um, what comes out of that are those boundaries. Mm-hmm. The fact that um, most people, well, according to Miracle Mornings, the, the idea about getting up and journaling, that's one of the things they talk about and planning your day without blue light, you know, put that device away, don't turn on your computer. Um, use that time to focus because that's normally your most creative time in the morning or of the day. Um, your mind's fresh, it's blank, um, and everything that problems you're working on in your sleep, they pop out with answers. And it's a great time to grab that. So the end of the day is a great time for journaling as well. Yeah, that, I think Jeffrey, you said that. Yeah, on, on the last call. I do. Um, I get cl- a lot of clients that struggle with sleep or struggle to unwind in the evening. Some, you know, journaling, or I call it brain dumping in the evening. Um, yeah. It helps to get it out, um, so that then, yeah, so it, it's much easier to kind of. Um, you know, fall asleep without having to wake up thinking about everything that needs to be done. Yeah. And yeah, and 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 I, I think what you mentioned there, I just want to just as well. I've got a bit of a story there. I've got. Um, I was talking about this yesterday with a new client, and he was talking about how he wants to feel more energetic. He wants to feel feel more focused in the morning, and it it came to light that the first thing in the morning, like many people. He's got his phone next to his bed. And the first thing he's doing when he's waking up is he's picking up that phone. He's getting that blue. Rather than having the natural light, you know, that's so important right. in the morning, he's getting that blue light. And automatically, as soon as you pick up your phone in the morning, you know, like you said, Jeff, um, Jeff, David, you wake up. <laughs> yes, oh. having Jeff on a Friday. <laughs> you wake up and you're you're refreshed, you're clear, you're focused. You know, you're consumed with your your own thoughts. You're very self-aware. Then the minute you pick up your phone, all of a sudden you're available to everybody else. You're at everybody else's. Somebody will post something on LinkedIn that, you know, makes you emotional or annoys you or or whatever. And all, automatically somebody else is in your headspace and maybe, you know, making you question the things that you were you could have potentially been much more focused about had you just taken that, you know, those first 10 minutes. I mean, I always like to say, you know, take take that first half an hour in the morning, you know, don't look at your phone, just have that first half an hour to go downstairs, get yourself a drink, do some journaling, just have that headspace. You will be amazed at how much more productive and focused you will be just for having that. No, that's true. And, uh, you know, if it's a practice, if you can do it, um, taking that forward throughout the day. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of times what I do is I kind of structure my morning. And, you know, it's the same thing, um, taking blocks of time out of your calendar that yeah. say, you know, I'm only going to do this. It's like, if you've got a proposal due, it's like block that time off. Don't answer the phone. Don't deal with email um, and get it done. And yeah. a lot of people, you know, you talk about brain dumping, but a lot of people, um, since they're more creative or thinking clear in the morning, um, they spend their mornings. And that's what I do. It's like my morning is my, I call it my um, outbound work. It's like if I have to make calls, I make my calls. If I got a project to finish up, if I got writing, you know, whatever's going on, um, I spend my mornings doing that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then if it's a critical call or a critical email, then I'll deal with it. Um, but and like you said, then set that boundary and say, hey, most most mornings um, you can't get me, but my afternoons are wide open to schedule whatever meeting, whatever call you want. And I make that, you know, they call it, yeah, inbound. One thing. 
sorry, go on. Nicole, no, no, that, that's it. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of just keep it simple and keep it basic. Keep it simple, keep it basic. And the other thing I want to say is that sometimes what is optimal is not always practical. Um, right. Again, I was talking about this with with another client. Now, um, like me, she's a young, you know, she's a mum with young kids. And she finds, and I think I spoke about this before, I find actually that my most creative moments do tend to be in the evening, yeah? Um, everybody's different. I think in the mornings I'm more clear, um, whereas in the evening, you know, more focused about stuff, I can make a plan, I can plan better in the mornings. But in the evenings is when I get creative. In the evenings is when, you know, I can I can write my programs, when I can do my content for social media and stuff. Mm. I'm just, and write my blogs. That's just tends to be when I'm more creative. However, it, you know, and before kids, I would write till two, three o'clock in the morning. But now, obviously, with young children, I have to be up. I have to be on the go. I have to be getting them ready. I, I can't. I can't do that anymore. So I am having to find that I have to find new ways of working because what was optimal for me and my brain, I ca- is not so practical anymore. Does that right. make sense? So, it, yeah. and and this, it's absolutely the same when it comes to nutrition. When it comes to exercise, again, you know, it might be optimal for you to exercise in the afternoon or the early evening when you have, you know, fed your body, you've probably got a little bit more energy, you've got more glycogen stores, you're probably going to be a bit stronger. It's not, but it might not be practical. You might actually need to do your exercise first thing in the morning because that's the only time when you can actually squeeze it in. It's whatever is practical for you means you're going to be more consistent with it so it might you know there may be a best way to do it just like there may be a best way to eat but if it isn't practical for you then the best thing to do is to find something that is going to be something you can stick to and be more consistent with consistency is always you know with, with anything nutrition working from home exercise the consistency is what is key no, I totally agree. I mean, you know, I was calling that cadence and balance, you know, having balance in your day, yes. and, and, you know, finding your own personal cadence. Uh, you know, yeah. if like we said, if you're not eating um, on a regular basis during the day, you're not working out regular, then, you know, things are going to be stressful. Um, but finding that that rhythm, you know, when, when's better for you in the day makes you more successful. Definitely. And definitely. Like I say, and it's about that the the consistency as well isn't it like there's all sorts of things I've tried you know I remember trying to get up really early to to do my planning and then the kids would just come in and it would and I just thought that's just not going to work you know I know everyone talks about these you know um so it is about just finding like I I I try to do a bit like miracle I, I have to take bits and do bits rather than doing the whole thing and then just make it work right right and that that's your case that's how you do it Exactly, exactly. And that's how I work with clients. It's how you work with clients. Is it? It's about integrating the the knowledge um, with your own experience and your own sense of self um, and finding the best way that works for you. A bit like you said there about, you know, obviously clients working, contacting you in the evening, okay, and you're probably thinking, okay, you know, the best thing for me to do would be to respond. But, you know, that's potentially not going to be best for you if you've got a family, if you've got children, you know, if you're if you're working late in the evening, that's not necessarily again. I've got a client I was working with yesterday, um, and he was saying, you know, I want to knock that on the head. I want to not going in the office at 9 p.m. and doing stuff. And again, it comes down to, you know, prioritizing your own self-care, like you said, David. 
and finding what works for you and demonstrating that personal leadership, definitely. So I just want to go on and, and talk then, David, about whether you think there is a magic formula to working from home. Because we have we have obviously spoken about how we, you know, how to make things work for you. But would you say there is a particular formula that you find has worked best for the clients that you're working with or for yourself? Yeah, I always um, think of things in layers, if that makes sense. You know, so I kind of break down, you say, magic formula for work for home. I kind of grab those three words. Um, you know, I believe there is magic. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, not Harry Potter style, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, what it is is the fact that, you know, our bodies are wired to be have cadence and balance. And yeah. when we don't follow our own personal cadence and balance, whatever that is, um, we get out of whack, we get stressed, um, yeah. which kind of leads yeah. into, you know, um, you know, what's the magic? And, you know, um, another way of looking at it is um, I look at, you know, mental and physical and nutritional health um, are inter interwoven, you know, almost like a right. trilogy, you know, Celtic knot, whatever you want. However you want to say it, you know, the threads all go together. You know, if you don't, you know, you can make one the foundation. If you don't eat well, then you probably don't feel well. And then, of course, your physical health is probably not optimal, which mm. means um, you don't you're not productive. So, you know, it's all intertwined. Um, yeah. So where I'm going with that is, you know, the magic is that that cadence and balance, um, knowing how that all works and making it work for you. Um, I think after that, um, it's more about um, the formula, as you're asking about, you know, um, setting up that routine, personalizing it, practicing, create, creating the habits, um, you know, yeah. figuring out what works best for you and then sticking to it. Because um, yeah. I think the habits, the consistency, um, actually deliver the results. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, in, in simple form, yeah. Yeah, which is why, you know, all of the work I do with clients, it's habit-based. You know, all of my programs are habit-based um, because it's about finding those that are going to work for you and then, yeah, like you say, practicing them day in and day out um, because it's the, it's the small steps practiced over time, isn't it, that equals the magic. Or that creates the magic. Yeah, correct. Correct. And I, um, there's one thing I read, and um, um, I'm hearing this more and more in different industries. Um, they call it MED, or you know, minimal effective dose. Yeah. And the first time I read that, it was in, in Tim Ferriss' book, um, Four Hour Body. I don't recommend anybody doing what Tim did, um, but his studies, you know, he he tends to medically experiment on himself to see how the body reacts, so he can write a book about it. And one of the things he found out which I wouldn't take this forward in nutrition so much. Um, but what he found out is if you exercise at a certain time and you eat before or after that certain foods, um, you got, without much effort, got a very effective um, result. Like if you're just trying to lose weight or trim up or, um, you know, become a better athlete, that type of thing, run better, um, that worked. Um, and I think um, when we're talking about just habits and routines, getting into um, something good, um, don't make it hard, you know, right. minimal part, I think is a key word there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, do what you're supposed to do and make sure it gets done. Um, but don't stress out if you, you know, like they said, you know, there's never a bad workout. No. The only bad workout is the one you didn't do. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you ended up walking instead of running, you know, that's still a good workout, you know, yes. you got it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 
And I think the end of that, um, you know, where I was going with, um, you know, how the industry is starting to adopt those those terms is, um, I know for a fact that um, it's United Healthcare Insurance Company um, has literally put out an app that um, what they'll do. There's two things: the um, the app will remind you to get out, almost like the Apple Watch. I don't know if everybody's got you know um, you know fitness apps on their watches. Um, a lot of times, mine will say you know need to stand up now or need to move, you know go for a walk, and it's 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 very very good at doing that. And what this app does is basically does the same thing. What they want you to do is go out every hour and walk 500 steps. And it doesn't mean you have to go around the block. You know, if you're in office, you can walk down to the water cooler and say hello to Joe and Sally. And, you know, as long as you like do a lap around the the house, you know, you you get the steps in. Um, Hmm. And what they're doing with that is they're um, finding that's delivering huge benefits. Um, It's lowering the... um, problems in health for their subscribers and um, of course allows them to lower their fees and what they're doing in addition to that which is fascinating is um, they're actually paying people to move now which okay. is really, really fascinating so there's, you know, like, basically if you um, hit your goal um, it's, it's like 25 cents um, times three so it's basically like 75 cents a day um, to go out and move and what they oh, do really? is put that into a, you know, um, health savings account um, that you can use towards, you know, prescriptions and doctor's visits and whatever, whatever uh, medical expenses you might have, you know, and it can be just about anything. So, and is that, and is that being effective? Did you say I that? think so. Um, there's, um, I talked to um, United Healthcare. That's the one I started talking to. Um, they said half their subscribers are using it and probably another half. So maybe 25 percent. Are actually seeing the rewards because they're following the the routine mm-hmm. that that med that minimal effective routine. I I completely agree with the minimal effective dose. I do because I think and very often I think it's a psychological thing as well. Is that you know when you set yourself up, you know, or when you think to yourself, I just need to get this minimum the minimal minimum done. Um, you know then or you know I, I just need to make sure that I'm doing X amount. Very right. often. Very often what happens is that you do, you know, surpass that because you haven't put so much pressure on yourself to do it. It's, it's a little bit like like with exercise for me, you know, I don't put myself, I don't put pressure on myself. Because, you know, when I was younger, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to go to the gym every day and I probably wasn't consistent with it. Whereas now I don't put pressure on myself. I think, right, okay, if I'm if I'm feeling good, I will go. If I don't, if things come my way, I won't go. And I am much more consistent and more I probably do shorter, more regular sessions, but I probably benefit right. more from that. Um, but anyway, so I do I do completely. It's the same with nutrition as well. I say take it back to basics. Focus on the basics. Focus on the simple right. things like making sure you're eating three times a day, making sure they're balanced meals. Stop overcomplicating things. Do do the minimum you need to be able to, you know, to have energy, to feel good. But it's interesting because I, I must admit that when it comes to motivation. And obviously, with this um, program that you're talking about, there is a, a financial um, kind of incentive, isn't there? For them? Right. Which I think can be a great start. But I do find, for me, working with clients, what what helps with the long term consistency is for them to really dig deep into the intrinsic motivation that's there for them. So the real reason that they're wanting to do it because I guess a financial incentive is a little bit like when a client comes to me and says I've got a wedding coming up I need to lose x amount of weight 
And yes, they might be successful, you know, up and, up until that wedding. Then as soon as they've had the wedding, that goal, that, that you know, it's gone and it doesn't matter anymore. Or it might be, you know, that they want to get into a certain dress and then life gets stressful, life takes over and all of a, all of a sudden that doesn't matter so much. So I do think, um, yeah, I, 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 and again, you know, we all get motivated by different things, but I do believe, like, you know, that that really, really helping people to dig down and see the benefits. Like, why does somebody want to get fitter? Why do they want to improve? You know, why, why do they want to walk every day? Is it because then they're going to be able to be, you know, live longer, have more time with their grandchildren, stop feeling out of breath when they go up the stairs? Really plugging into all of those reasons, I think, can be a really, really powerful way of helping people to because if a client comes to me and says I want to lose weight Becky you know that's all well and good that's all well and good but there is usually a deeper reason for it yeah there is usually a reason why they want to lose that weight and like I said it could be because like my new client yesterday um he saw you know he's, he's seen his his parents his wife parents have some real health complications he's got young children his motivation is to yeah he does want to lose weight he does want to lose weight he feels uncomfortable but as we dug deeper it means more to him to be healthy to have the energy to deal with his young family um you know to be around to play football with his kids to 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 you know to that is more motivating than just fitting into right. his and feeling more comfortable no i totally agree so uh, i'm curious here so do you think there should be like two motivators in that conversation because if you're looking at just being healthier for your kids or avoiding, you know, um, health problems that you see in your parents. So it might be genetic. Um, but like you said, you know, getting into a, a dress, um, you know, in 30 days, maybe one thing It's short term. That's what I'm getting at. And then, of course, there's the long term. You know, I want to I be think, healthy. I think there's a difference, I think there's a difference between because I think. You know, you're talking about when you talk about getting into a dress or, you know, or, you know, for a wedding or something like that. That's kind of almost a goal, isn't it? It's an external goal where yeah. really trying to uncover your why is something that's going to stay with you every day. It's something that, you know, you really you, you're connected. For me, the biggest, you know, the best way to make change stick is to emotionally connect with the reason that you're doing it. OK. And getting into a dress, you know, isn't it's not enough to emotionally. It's, it's why it's why it's what does that mean to you? Right. And also as well, we've got I, I think it's good to have a goal. I think it's good to have an overarching goal. You know, and I would say it's good to have an overarching goal but in, in any area of life, business, you know, as a parent, you know, with your health and your fitness. But I think that the issue is, is when people get too fixated on that goal that's when then they can fall short it's when they never reach that goal it's when it's when they get frustrated because I think it's about thinking right I've got that goal but I need to now think about the small things the path that's going to take me there and when you can then you know break down the steps and know why you're doing it really connect with why you're doing it that goal then it, it will probably change how many times does it change it's the same with you know, I set out with business in business three years ago with very different goals to what I've got now. I'm not where I wanted to be three years ago. And if I was so fixated on where I wanted to be three years ago, if I could, if I had tunnel vision, I probably would have given up on business, you know, whereas I've let myself kind of not go with the flow because, you know, I've been focused, I've been structured. But I think when you can just fundamentally, okay, let me tell you what I'm trying to illustrate this fundamentally, right? Why did I get into business? Okay, well, 
A, I really, really passionately want to help people. You know, I want to help them see another way. I want people to be happy and healthy. And diet culture, I don't think, does that. B, I wanted to, you know, be a better parent, have a better work-life balance, you know. And those are the two driving factors for my business. Of course, I had, you know, I've had business plans, I've had goals, I've had targets, yeah. But if I felt that those targets and my business plan were the be all and the end all and forgot the why and the real reason I got into business, I would have given up. No, it makes perfect sense. So, uh, yeah, so I think it's it's just not as straightforward as, you know, when it comes to fitness, health, etc. It's not as straightforward. Uh, I say it's not as straightforward. You know, I do think the diet industry complicates nutrition and health and fitness massively. Right. But it isn't just a simple case of set your goal, set your fitness goal. You know, I had it again with a client today and she said, my PT's on my case because he's like, what's your goal right now? And he's just like, I'm busy. I'm stressed. I'm running a business. I've got kids that have just gone back to school. I'm not interested right now in my PB. You know, I just want to, you know, so it's like, you know, it's just multifaceted. And it's about understanding that and working with a client and not with, yeah. Anyway, I've gone off on one there, haven't I, David? Yeah, I love going down rabbit holes, but um, I think that was a perfect explanation. Um, you know, I think what I was thinking you were going to say was talk, talking about habits because, you know, if it's a short-term goal, get into that dress. After you get into that dress, you kind of forget about, it. like, why you were um, eating better, you know, yeah. or you know, trying to lose weight, get fit, whatever whatever you're trying to do to get into that dress. And, of course, you know, you're... Yeah, you know, definitely, yeah. And like, like modern diets, you know, you can, you lose a ton of weight. And then you get off, it's like, okay, I hit my goal. And then it just all comes back on. But the other thing is as well, is if it is just that external goal, if it's just that external, it's the same with business as well. If it's just right. about meeting that target, if it's just about getting into that dress, all you're doing is creating those habits or eating that way or doing that thing to get that external achievement, yeah, to get into that dress. You're not thinking of it as longer term you're not thinking of it as something that you want to do for the rest of your life you're just thinking about that end goal and it, you, you know and like I said it's the same in business if I just thought about it as in I need to meet that target I need to get you know this I need to get that rather than thinking of actually these are skills I'm developing over the long term so that I can build my business sustainably give the children the future I want and it's the same with it you know with your diet if you're connecting with your wife you're thinking right I want to get into that dress yes I do but actually, my long-term aim is to be happier, healthier, fitter, you know, not get diabetes, not get, you know, X, Y, Z. Then right. you're going to be doing those habits. You know, you're going to make permanent behavior change because there are, there's a real driving motivation there rather than just doing it for the short term. Rather than just thinking, I'm eating this way or I'm exercising this way just because I want to lose a few. Because how many of us go all in? They think, right, I've got to get into that dress. So I'm going to starve myself or I'm going to go to the gym six times a week. Yeah. And it's just it's just a short term measure. Yeah. That then goes out the window either as life gets stressful or you get fed up or you meet your goal and then you end up back at square one. Makes perfect sense. So along the way, um, like you said, the goal, goals will change. Yeah. Um, your focus will change. Your, your rhythm will change on you know how you approach it. Um, but having the good habits, I think, is, is a positive approach that, you know, how to fall back, how to get back in line, just rearrange um, how you're going to go about that. Um, I was going to ask you, um, as far as in a work-for-home environment and then possibly working with you, are there particular comfort foods that um, work-from-home people should or should not eat? 
what do you mean as in comfort for as in what do you mean by should or should a lot of people when they get stressed that they they want to eat something um and a lot of times you know if they they have your personalized plan um they should know what to eat um but are there some safe foods that they can eat you know what you think i never i never would talk about food as safe or unsafe you know all food is you know all food is good food um and i think you're, when you're talking about emotional eating or comfort food, what I would always do is find out why, find out what it is, you know, what is the reason for the person wanting to have that comfort food? What is the stressor? Why are they going for the food? Okay, and trying to tackle that rather than, you know, because again, you know, there should be no, I would never say to a client, right, if you're feeling like that, go for this option, you know, because then if they don't go for that option, they're going to feel guilty. Or they're not going to be satisfied with that option. I've had this perfect conversation with a client today. Okay, now she um, last night she she'd have a really busy, stressful day. Okay, and it, actually it was in the evening when she said I had a glass of wine in the evening, which is you know totally fine. She's gone from having a bottle to a glass anyway. And she because she's been you know, and she said I got I got a bit of the munchies, you know. And I thought I need I want something I want something crunchy. I want you know it's alcohol induced really. And she said to me because you know. I, I, she, I think she ended up going for some radishes. She says they just gave me that that crunchy, that 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 satisfaction that I needed. I didn't even think about going for a bag of crisps or something like I potentially would have done in the past. And she said, but I didn't feel it was coming from a completely different place because she wasn't restricting herself, because she wasn't telling herself that she couldn't have crisps, she couldn't have chocolate. She made a healthier choice just instinctively. Okay. So it's when it's just that subtle difference between saying, okay, why? Like she recognized that she wanted something because she'd had a drink. Okay. She was aware. She was much more mindful of what was going on. So she made that choice to have those radishes. Whereas when people go, oh, I've got the munchies. Oh, I can't eat chocolate. I can't eat crisps. I can't have cake. Right. Oh, I'm going to have to eat something else. I'm going to have to do it because it's the healthier option. Yeah. Whereas if you say to somebody, you can have whatever you want, but let's work out why. Yeah. Let's work out what is going on. Why are you stressed? Have you given yourself a break today? Why are you frustrated? Have you had a phone call with a supplier and they really pissed you off, excuse my language, and now you're going for comfort food? Okay, rather than going for the comfort food, why don't you write a letter to that supplier and complain? Why don't you ring them up and complain? You know, deal with that emotion in a more productive way rather than going for the food, which is going to give you temporary comfort and then you're going to end up feeling bad for it afterwards. So, you, you, you know, it's about, you, I mean, what, what you're talking about really is emotional eating. And now I don't want to demonize emotional eating because emotional eating has a place. It absolutely does have a place. OK, we all emotionally eat at times, you know, the healthiest, the people with the healthiest relationship with food will emotionally eat. I emotionally eat. It's OK. I'm aware. I know why I'm doing it. You know, so if you're going for food because you're procrastinating, if you're going for food because you're stressed, if you're going for food because you're tired, you're lacking energy. Let's get to the root of the problem and find out why. Well, that makes perfect sense. So, yeah, I would never, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not one of those coaches that says like, oh, you know, trick your body and have a have a diet, whatever, you know, it's, it's just, you know, because in the long run, it doesn't work. I would yeah. rather teach my clients to be self-aware, to have the skills to understand how they're, because if you're going for food because you're not hungry, if you're going for food for comfort, your body is communicating with you. Your body is telling you you need something. And food has just become that default. Food has just become your habit, your go-to. So let's unpick it. 
No, it makes perfect sense. And I think, um, I guess I'll ask you another question here. Um, and looking at that, um, you know, I think it's back to habits too. Um, like you said, yeah, you know, you have to with stress instead of comfort food. Um, I do think in order to, you know, obviously there are, I would, you know, when, when clients, when they're talking about, you know, how, how can I best eat to maintain my energy levels to main, you know, to be, because the other thing is, is if you're not, if you're, you, you can lay yourself open to, um, you know, to want, because if, you, if you're not fueling yourself properly, if, if you're going for food, I mean, if you're if you're wanting to eat, if you're wanting to eat comfort food because you're not fueling yourself properly, that's another reason as well. So it's like, why did you want to go for that comfort food? Well, I've not eaten for eight hours, you know, I've not had, you know, then that would be another reason. Well, okay, you've not eaten for eight hours. First of all, before we even think about what you're eating, we need to just get food in. You need to get your meals in, you need to get your snacks in. Then once you've got into a routine of doing that, we can then look at what those meals and those snacks need to include. Right. And, and I think the thing is, is that if people are going for food, comfort food, because they're lacking in energy, like I said, the thing is, is that if you are going long periods without eating, if you are not eating the right things and you're getting hungry, your body will go into, you know, it will go into the biological hunger mode. It will go in. It will be like, I, I want the highest calorie food, the quickest hit I can get because my human is in danger. They need food. And if they don't eat, they're going to die. You know, you people forget about the biological you know what goes on biologically in their body and drives them to certain food sources if they just think oh i i can't have you know i shouldn't eat this way because it's really really bad rather than thinking actually this is my body at the minute has gone into survival mode and it's trying to keep me alive and i'm trying to fight against that you know so absolutely you know people i think to avoid there are couple of things here i think to avoid that kind of trap of falling into emotional eating when you're working from home there are two things you need to do. Number one is to eat regularly and to eat balanced snacks and balanced meals. Yeah. And to focus, of course, on unprocessed as much as possible. Absolutely. Um, that's not to say that unprocessed stuff is 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 wrong because it's not. We should never demonize it. And the other thing is to manage your stress and to go right back to what we talked about in the beginning. Make sure you're having time blocking time out making sure that you're taking five or ten minutes in between meetings making sure that you're getting outside and getting some fresh air so eating regularly to maintain your blood sugar levels make sure that you're getting everything your body needs to stay sharp to stay energized so you're not having those crashes as well because the other thing is is if you're eating the wrong things you're potentially going to have sugar crashes which are going to lead to craving so yeah it, it, it's complex it's complex so is it yeah. is it a physical drive to eat okay or is it an emotional drive to eat now your initial question made me think an emotional drive because you said going for comfort food because they're stressed or whatever um so it's on picking that and then yeah so yeah there's no there's never any simple answer is there when it comes to nutrition no there isn't and it's funny because um when you said radishes and after you um you, you shared that um I, I thought of some other things you know emotional eating um actually i'm, I'm referencing uh, let's see work from home anxiety let's, let's just frame it that way um, there's a book out that's called, um, un, excuse my language, Unf Your Brain. Okay. Um, it's it's really good. It's out on audiobook too, so I need to post that. Who wrote that? What's that? Who's it by? I'll have to look it up. It's a um, PhD. She's a therapist. Oh, um, I've read, I've and, read, yeah, but she's also um, a doctor. Well, she's a psychiatrist, so she's a doctor. At the end of the day, um, she wrote this book, and it was really fascinating. 
Um, it talks about how your brain works, how you think, you know, what parts of your brain control certain things. And she's just getting down to anxiety. Um, and the radishes kind of tripped me up because number one, she said nutrition, um, everything we're talking about, you know, the moving, um, eating correctly, eating on a regular basis, good habits, um, help reduce anxiety. And then she explains, it's like where the anxiety comes from. And the radish idea um, hit me, the crunchy, um, hit me on the point where she talks about how you can um, basically um, change certain thought patterns. So oh, if yeah. you get in a situation where you feel like you're going to get stressed, it's like you're not even stressed yet. There's no reason to be anxious, but you think it's like, oh, I'm going in this meeting. My boss is going to be there. It's like, okay, I'm stressed. You know, but, when yeah. he's probably a great guy and there's no reason to be stressed, but, you know. Um, but her remedy was, she said crunching on ice. And I, I, I thought about, you know, crunching on radishes was a great oh. way to, like, to, to break that, that, that rhythm. Um, I do, that's really, do you know one thing that I often suggest um, is the five second rule as well. I can't remember who talked about this, but this is where you feel that your mind is running away with you with those stories that create anxiety. Because that's, you know, it, basically it's stories that create anxiety that you've told that's yourself. Part of the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, all, it's all, you know, we're all living in our own little paradigm. Anyway, um, do when you feel that, because that's basically your subconscious. It's your subconscious, you know, rising and, you know, leading to this anxiety. So it's like, I always say, like, count back from five, four, three, two, one. And then that will bring you back to your prefrontal cortex and help you. So, but when you, the, the thing with that is though, it's about identifying the trigger, identifying the habit that you want to change right. and then how you can refresh. So if it was like, okay, I get really, really anxious before a presentation. I'm, you know, everyone's going to laugh at me. Everyone's going to think I'm stupid, blah, 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 blah. No, there's no, it's not based on any fact whatsoever. That's the thing. It's like, so where's the evidence for this? You know, where's the evidence that this has happened before? Where's the evidence that this is going to happen now, you know? And then it's about kind of thinking about what do I want to replace that with? What do I want to replace that 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 horrible cycle with? Well, I want to replace that horrible cycle with feeling confident, with feeling I'm going to smash it and visualizing that it's going to be the best presentation ever. And at the end of it, everyone's going to raise their hands and clap. Yeah, so count back from five, four, three, two, one, visualize the perfect out outcome. And, you know, that, that can really, really help. No, I agree. Yeah, it's breaking just... that neuro pathway. It's it it, it is because we we we, you know, the more that we practice the same habits, you know, the stronger that the, we've got neuro pathways in our brain, yeah. yeah. And the lot, you know, the more that we repeat a habit, the stronger that neuro pathway begin becomes. And it's a reward loop. It's basically when we repeat the same behavior, whether it's a negative behavior or a positive behavior, you know, we get rewarded for it because our brains like repetition. We are creatures of habit. So, you know, to break a new habit, you need to create a new neuro pathway and to strengthen it, you need to practice that, that muscle, that thought process. Fundamentally, right. we are in control of our thoughts. We're not in control of the triggers. We're not in control of, you know, anxiety. It's not something you can just get rid of. It's, you know, I, I'm openly, I'm going to sit here right now and I'm going to say I have struggled with anxiety my whole life, um, you know, really, really badly at times. And, you know, and it's still there. It hasn't just gone. You know, right. but I know how to manage it and deal with it better, yeah. <laughs> better. No, I totally agree. And, you know, I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm probably still there as well. Mm. Um, you know, some days I, I say I don't have anxiety. And then I realize it's like, oh, I do. You know, one of my bad habits is um, when I get stressed, get in that anxious moment, I hold my breath. Mm. 
And then I start getting foggy after a while. And then after a while, I realize it's like, oh, well, if I'm not breathing, <laughs> of course I'm going to get foggy. Um, yeah. you know. Well, breathing, so, uh, breathing. Yeah, breathing. Yeah, yeah breath that, work. I've, I've done a lot of breath work. Um, and I think that that comes down to, you know, again, it just all relates together. You know, the, the breath work, you know, some people call it meditation. Um, just keeping it yeah. simple, that MED. You know, you don't have to have 20 minutes and say, mm, to, you know, get past an anxious moment. Like you said, you know, count count backwards from five or, you know, just practice your breathing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. By the way, that, that book I referenced, that's by um, Dr. Faith G. Harper. Okay, I'll, I'll look that one out. I've got, I've got the red one. I think it, what was it? The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F-U-C-K. It, it was a guy that read that. I can't remember who that was. Yeah, there, there's a couple out there that talk about different things, but. Hers is more medically based, and you won't kind of outline exactly what she says. She just goes into the medical reasons. You know, it's like, here's the how, here's the why, here's how you can deal with it. You know, it, was, it was a good story. Great point. You should, we should link that in the comments, definitely. Yeah. Andy said, good question. <laughs> yeah, with a long-winded answer. I hope I answered the question. But anyway. no, did. Yeah. Did somebody else have a question who's listening? No. Well, I was just going to say that because we are we're, we're almost at time now. Um, and I've got the time's just flown by as always. Um, and we're gonna have to wrap it up in a minute or two because I've got a group coaching call to do. Um, oh, yeah, Shame's book there. If anybody is still interested in um, my eight week nutrition program, it's we started, we're still on onboarding this week. So, if anybody wants you know an eight week nutrition program. Um, that really does focus on getting you back to basics. It's got it's got education and coaching to make sure that you um you know you kind of overcome any stumbling blocks. And it's it's a habit based program, so it's going to help you get back into those habits, create those new neuro pathways. Anyway, I'm waffling, but um you know the, today will be the last day that I can take anybody on because you know this was the the official onboarding week. Um so if, but if anybody is interested, I'll pop that link as well in the comments. Um yeah so anyway um yeah thank you andy thank you very very much for watching um i hope you found it useful thank you for commenting as well if anybody does just quickly have any questions or any comments if anybody is still watching please do just um you know let us know that you're there just say goodbye or you know so that we know i know some people do do tune into these but don't always comment but it'd be great to know if you are there but if anybody's got any questions before we wrap up then please do post them quickly um is there anything else you wanted to add there david i'm sure we will because i don't think we covered everything we wanted to as usual so i'm sure we'll have you on it's a broad topic we can talk about a lot of things here um yeah but yeah um i'm right behind you rebecca you know i'll be launching my course here shortly so watch the website or linkedin um you'll see an announcement um it's normally a six-week get together um we'll walk through weekly lessons and get down to the facts you know how to make you um work from home work for you um so watch that and I guess um, we can talk about this offline. It's like, so should I put these big book links in the comments? Will people yeah. see them after, after we're done? Okay, yeah. cool. Please do. Please do. I'll put the link to my program in the comments as well. But yeah, put them. If you're struggling, let me know. But you should be able to just put the link in the comments afterwards. Um, so if anybody's watching, if anybody's watching the replay, hashtag replay. If you've got any questions as well, then um, you know, um, and, and also do um, click the links. If you share this on your page as well afterwards, David, it will. Um, yeah, it'll so. Yes, no, that'd be great. So if nobody's got any more questions, then thank you everybody who has joined us and who has commented. Thank you, David, ever so much for joining us again today, all the way from New York. Um, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. 
and look forward to chatting with you again soon.